0: This is exactly right.
1: All of the movements of about parenting and communication and treating and respectful parenting, because I really do think that I grew up where it was like, you must respect me. I'm your parent. And I was like, why? I never really felt like I, it was earned. And then I never, I didn't always feel like I was getting that respect back. So I think that it's really super important and hopefully it's going to change our world which is upside down at the moment.
0: Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place, one parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives while striving to be the best versions of ourselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, with increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. This is Big People. Today's show is our one-year anniversary show with Exactly Right Media. One year ago, on this date, we launched with Exactly Right, and our first guest was Georgia Hartstark, co-host of My Favorite Murder. We then moved on to an equally amazing individual and co-host of My Favorite Murder, Karen Kilgariff, and then talked with co-hosts Elizabeth Taylor and Alex Shapiro of True Beauty Brooklyn another exactly right media podcast and today we are doing the same with another member of our exactly right family co-host of that's messed up an svu podcast with kara clank and kara this show in honor of your show is titled that's messed up parent edition dun 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 Oh, we nailed it. Okay, a little bit more about Kara. Kara is a stand-up comic, a writer, and an actor who grew up in Connecticut, currently lives in Los Angeles, and started her comedy career in New York City. She was named by Time Out New York as one of the top 10 funniest women in New York City. Kara has appeared on Netflix, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Oxygen, Hulu, and more, and has also written for Netflix, Nickelodeon, mtv tv land and comedy central and most recently for rupaul's drag race on vh1 and wipeout on tbs her debut album undefeated was released in 2019 and went to number one people on the comedy charts she also produces and hosts a weekly stand-up show called better half comedy in los angeles carol welcome to the show
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm very excited. You know, uh, the minute I heard this podcast existed, I was like, "Why haven't I been booked yet?" And a whole year has gone by, and I've been waiting for my booking, and here it is. And I'm so well excited.
0: there. There there was a there was a well designed reason. Like, we had you <laughs> pegged for the one year anniversary so long ago, and you know you just can't you can't leak these things. You yeah. have to really no, like roll them out slowly. So the build has been it. wonderful, and here we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, you. The fans asked for it, and here it is. <laughs>
0: here it is. Okay, we have a ton to talk about related to your life, uh, all facets, um, including parenting, something that you are also now a um, an aspiring expert in, and <laughs> um, which is what we're all about here, right? Yeah, I was so, like,
1: aren't we all aspiring experts? We're
0: all aspiring experts in something. So let's start with... Um, your career. And, uh, I'm always interested in understanding how people came to do what they're doing and what they're passionate about. So if you can take us back, what, what were the influences to you becoming, to you going into comedy?
1: You know, it's really, it's so, I wish I knew the full answer to that, but like, I just, I grew up the oldest of six kids and I just always loved making people laugh. Like I was a not, I was not a troublemaker in school, but I definitely cu- talked out of turn and just would say anything just to get a joke in. And I like got such a buzz off making people laugh that it's crazy because I can see it in my daughter's face sometimes when she makes a joke and we laugh and she just repeats it over and over again. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is where it starts. So we'll see, we'll see. She's only three, so I don't know. But um, yeah, I think I just like, I was the oldest of six kids. I just wanted to entertain my siblings and make fun of my parents and whatever. And (laughs) I I watched, I inappropriately watched shows like In Living Color and um, all these sketch comedy shows I would watch when I was really young, like probably too young to understand most of what I was watching. But, and that's, I think what, you know, my parents used to be like, oh, you're so good at arguing. You're going to be a lawyer. So I spent a lot of my life thinking I'm going to be a lawyer. And then mm-hmm. when I got to college, I was like, oh, I guess I'm allowed to do whatever I want. And yeah. kind of started following a lot more of the um, my uh, performing
0: As the, instincts. As the oldest of six, um, would, were you the, like, the classic firstborn in the sense of, you know, that responsible, follow the rules, yeah. more of the pleasing sort of? You know,
1: it's weird. I'm a very, I'm split with those because I'm married to another firstborn who is a very big rule follower. And I'm like a type A, I'm in charge. My siblings used to call me mom junior, but I also like loved to push the boundaries and break rules. Mm -hmm. So I don't really Mm -hmm. know. I'm kind of a split with those. Like, you know, and I think I sort of paved the way for my siblings and my youngest brother's I ended up being able to juggle knives. I mean, they could do whatever they want. And then they didn't even do anything. Like I was sneaking out to not sneaking out, but like, you know, drinking and doing little things like that at a younger age. And they never did any of that just because I think they were like, oh, well, the boundary has been tested, you know? So Right.
0: it's. I just remember also being the oldest thinking, and I have a younger brother just thinking like, this is so unfair. He gets to do this. He gets this. I didn't get to do any of this thinking like, Okay, I am never going to do that. I'm going to be equal with all of our kids, and with our three, it's exactly what you said. You know, as life goes on, as you learn, as you get older, as as just stuff happens, the the rules just change, and the tolerance changes, and just it just changes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, no so idea. Yeah, totally. When I think of um, comedy. It, And um, following rules, I don't think of those going hand in hand, right? I think of comedy as pushing the envelope.
1: Yeah, I have a really weird personality for comedy where uh, like, I really love comedy and I like, and I love making people laugh, but I'm also very type A where I'm very organized and you don't find a lot of comedians that are both of those things. Like most comedians are like kind of loosey goosey and their lives are maybe like a mess or they're someone else is taking care of it for them, you know, but like I'm Like making spreadsheets, and I'm like a very typical Virgo if you're into astrology at all. I'm not really, but, you know, I'm a very typical Virgo with making lists and getting things done and crossing things off, but then I also do comedy. So it is – it is I am weird in that way. People, Mm -hmm. like, have said, oh, your skill sets are so interesting for comedy because most people just have one or the other, like – and I'm not saying I'm the funniest person, the funniest comedian out there, but you know, I think well, you that- are
0: you are the top ten funniest.
1: Oh that well, you,
0: you have been named top ten. <laughs> yeah. So around you're up
1: 2015 there. in New yeah. York City, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was in the top ten for yeah. a period. Yeah. Oh man.
0: Well, it's tr- it's we're talking if when we're talking about brain functioning, it is interesting because it's tr- it, it seems to be that often creatives often don't have as equally developed the other parts of the brain right. which are more what we call linear and sequential all of the organizational parts of executive functioning. So I would I would agree like that is more of a more of a rare prototype to have the creative side and to have the organization side as well.
1: Yeah, but I also have like just so no one thinks I'm on here talking about how like I'm so perfectly balanced on both of those sides like <laughs> I would say like I throw myself more into my um, organizational or like life stuff. And sometimes I put creative stuff on the back burner and it's something I'm working on because – I feel like the creatives that are really successful are the ones that put everything aside to do creative, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. And so I'll sometimes be like, yes, I'll finish my pilot, but first I need to reorganize my entire garage, you know? Yes, And I think it goes beyond procrastination in like that. I, I know I can finish the tasks that are on my like to do list, Yeah, but creativity involves failure and experimentation and all these things that are more scary to me. So,
0: yeah, yeah. You know,
1: I definitely struggle with that and have talked to many a therapist about it. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's, um, I understand. Yeah. (laughs) I understand. Um, When, what you made me think of when the throwing yourselves into creativity um, and the, um, I would say the, the, not only the discipline, but as you're pointing out, the risk taking um, that is involved. Kids, having kids yeah, uh, you know, some describe having kids as throwing a wrench in some of that. What has that been like for yeah. you?
1: Well, you were talking about brain function before, and I feel as though my brain function has only recently returned to maybe not a hundred percent capacity, but we're getting there. Um I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. And I just really felt like for a couple of years, I, I couldn't retrieve words. I mean, I couldn't come up with ideas. Like I just, you know, I was really, it does throw a wrench in things for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because when I had my daughter three years ago, right? I mean, I mean, not right before, but about a year before the global pandemic, Um I, the New York Times called me for an interview while I was in the hospital, so I was like, I had already given birth, but I was like pacing around the hallways in a nightgown talking to the New York Times because, at the time, they were doing a little article about about stand-up comedians having kids. Women, I was going to talk female. about that.
0: I read that, and you were oh, in that okay. article. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And and it was it was you know like I remember being like. I waited to have kids for a little while cuz I wanted more things to develop in my comedy career and I kept and I was talking to my one friend a very funny comedian named Eliza Skinner and I said um I, I we were at a party and I just said you know I really want to have kids I just like who's doing it? Who do I look up to? Like, there's not anyone that's like really like done it and been successful that I can like emulate. And she's like, and she just said something to me like, then you do it. You be that person. Like Mm -hmm. you be the person that other people are looking at. And I was like, oh, I never really thought about that. And then it just so happened, like, as I was having kids, you know, Ali Wong was having kids and Amy Schumer Mm -hmm. and two, like, you know, two of the most powerhouse comedians. But I would say that sometimes it's like, you, when you look at people like that you're like yes but they also have a ton of resources that maybe the regular uh, person who's doing a bar show on a Thursday night doesn't have or the person who's mm-hmm. struggling to get staffed in a writer's room has or something like that so I I hope that I can you know show people that you can do both I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if I have but um, you know I, I just really appreciated that for a little while there was this like Like moment where it just felt like I was like, oh, no one's doing this. And then suddenly a lot of people were doing it. And it feels like, I think now there's like a great group of women in comedy that have kids. And that's not to say that there's like Lori Kilmartin and there's great comedians that are, that have, you know, older kids that have been showing us how to do it forever, but everybody has like different situations and where they feel like, oh, you're never going to be like, oh, I'm at a perfect place in my career to have a child. So, right, I right, feel like I right. just I needed that little push that my friend gave me.
0: And um, it it does seem like there's a tipping point at at some point when there there's just a change in the um, the paradigm of of famous pregnant comedians. <laughs> um, you know, and, and that article I really appreciate the article Joan Rivers. You know, wasn't allowed years ago to talk about that she was pregnant. And then with this tipping point, you have Amy showing her pregnant belly on stage. And then the comment is, you know, why is it that male comedians regularly talk about their genitalia as part of the show? And it's this big novel. Oh my gosh, we can talk about pregnancy and our body as a female comedian. Like it just like how how did how did how was that not a thing till recently?
1: I know. I mean. I don't know. I also just think it was like a thing where it, maybe if you were doing comedy, you weren't really getting on stage. Like I, when I had my first baby, I was doing stand up until the week before I gave birth. And like, I mean, I talk about this in the New York times article. Like I do a bit where I get really, like I get down low, like into a squat. And I feel like people were holding their breath in the audience. Like there is something about pregnant women that people you know, they, they act like you're a little China figurine and that you gotta, we gotta Mm -hmm. look out for the, you know? And so I think there's something, but you know, I've had a lot of friends since me that are up there performing with their baby strapped to them performing pregnant, you know? So it's just kind of, Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, we could get into a totally separate podcast about why men are allowed to talk about certain things and women aren't, but, you know, I think it just took a bunch of us doing it, performing pregnant, talking about our, you know, our bodies, and then now it's kind of more normal.
0: Now it's more normal. And uh, I was just thinking, so here we are, we, the way we look at pregnant, you know, pregnant women of, like you were saying, like, you know, more maybe fragile or Or, you know, we need to be careful. You know, they're carrying a baby. And then once you have a baby, we just expect, you know, women to do everything all the time. Right? Like, like, okay, they're good. They're tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you can do everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how has parenting changed you?
1: Oh, my God. I don't know. I just have like a completely different life. It's just <laughs> no people can tell you over and over and over and over again, how much it's going to change your life. And you just cannot grasp it until it actually happens. Like you're like, yeah, I, I understand. But I think you don't really realize how much you, um, yeah, things just change. You, you do like lose a little bit of yourself, but it mm-hmm. also like opens you up in a way that's totally different. And, You know, for me, sometimes I'm sitting here trying to figure out. uh, I will say I I haven't like fully thrown myself back into stand up. I host a stand up show every week where I work on material, but like I I haven't fully thrown myself back in post pandemic, post one year old. Um, But it is hard to kind of when I like okay what what are my jokes and then I'm like well my entire life is these two children so are people interested in that you know it's just very different from when I was like living in New York City and was like I heard this crazy thing on the subway today it's just you know my right. worldview has narrowed but also like ev- like the way I care about politics the way I care about the world and everything happening is so different now as well like
0: yeah. I don't know.
1: It's just, um, I don't know. I try to like, I really try to explain to my friends that are expecting. I'm like, everything's going to be really different in a couple of (laughs) weeks. (laughs) And, you know, you just don't, I don't think it's, uh, well, I'm not, and I'm not saying hard. I'm not like, oh, it's going to be so hard, like to discourage people or anything like that. And I'm not saying it's not hard. But when I say different, I mean different. I don't really mean the difficulty level. Like I just mean your priorities are totally different. Like what your weekend looks like is totally different. Wanting to go on a trip. Like uh, have like I used to see my college friends all the time. And now it's like, I haven't seen, you know, I, I won't see you for a year because I can't really fly or, you know, it's just, right. it's yeah. just like little things that all made up your life. They just sort of scatter outward a little bit. I'm not. They don't disappear, but they just yeah. move a little to like an outward rung of your web. If you're a yes. spider in the middle of your web, and then your yes. kids are like your little flies that are right next to you on the web,
0: all the time. Do you like how your own needs? I mean, generally, people's parents, particularly mothers, personal needs are the things that go by the waist, go to the end of the web. Sometimes out of necessity, but also what we talk about a lot is, gosh, you got to like how to create some self-care so one does not lose themselves in the process. What is, what has your experience been like with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, so for me, it's, it's hard, it's hard to say because when I had my first child, Um, You know, it was 2019 and then my second one was 2021, like right in the middle of like a pandemic, basically, where things were just different. So if I'm going to talk about my first pregnancy, for me, self-care is like being with other people. I'm just like a true extrovert. I just need to be around other people. So. For me, like, the beginning of parenthood wasn't as difficult because when they're little smushes, you can just take them to a party or take them to a restaurant. Like, I was just out with my kid all the time trying to – be in the world so that I didn't feel forgotten that was like mm-hmm. a fear of mine and then with my second kid I, it was even more intense where I said oh people are just gonna file me away as a mom and no one's gonna invite me to stuff and no one's gonna hire me for work and you know I really felt like I was gonna disappear and so for me the self-care was just like getting out into the world and being with people and trying to do that as much as possible and then once in a while asking my husband can I please go get my nails done can you please watch the baby and you know obviously I'm saying that like I'm begging he he obviously watches the child a lot. Um, but yeah, just taking that time, I didn't find it. Um, I don't know. I guess I didn't find it as difficult just because my second kid was born at a time where we were all just at home and, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, so a little bit, you know, vaccinations had just happened. So we were maybe a little bit more out in the world, but it wasn't, um, I wasn't taking a spa day for myself or anything like that, but I, um, I do think it's really important. I think these, the, the, that there's various forms of personal and societal pressure that women put on themselves to say, I need to be with this baby constantly. Right. The first six months or whatever amount of months, like I had friends that had told me, Oh, I've never left the baby for more than a minute to go down the street and get milk in a year. And I'm like, that's um, your choice that, yeah. that could never be me. So, right. you know, I think just, it is really important to just like take some time to be on your own, be with your spouse, like be, you know, do things yeah. that, you know, remind you that you're still a person outside of being a mom.
0: Really important. I think yeah. that's really important. Like that's well said to remember that you're a person outside of being a mom As I think identities, you know, identities are multifaceted and, it's it's very natural to hold on to a to one thing being a really big part of our identity whether it's parent spouse um our job our career and um yeah this is permission for everyone to to it's okay to be more right like yeah. it's for sure you're going to have a primary identity but it's really healthy to be more and to have more options and know that you don't you are you are more than that one identity there is more to you than that one identity
1: and i think some women throw themselves into it fully and they you know maybe career's not a thing or or that that's just what their main focus is i just want to be a mom my goal is to be the best mom i can be and i completely respect that as well i still think you can be the best mom you can be and like go see a movie Or go, you know, get your hair blown out if you just feel like being looking good, you know, like one day, you know, just like, you know, I I just think your kid's not going to suffer from you. In fact, I think that it's really important to show your kid that you have another identity. You know, I grew up with a mom who was the breadwinner and who was a pediatrician, and I just thought she was like a superhero, you know, so – and she wa- and she wasn't around a lot and that's okay you know mm-hmm. like I think that she taught me a lot of things in other ways and watching her do what she did was really formative for me and yeah, she couldn't come to every game. That's okay. Right, I, I hate right. sports. I'm not even good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, she didn't need to be around because she had you to entertain, you know, all your brothers yeah, exactly. and sisters. Exactly, that's what she did. Yeah. My mom yeah. was one of
1: 14 kids. So I think her oh, thing wow. was, you have a lot of kids to take care of the other kids. Yeah. You build a staff, essentially.
0: So six was nothing for her. She totally downsized. She
1: wanted to do more. But I think uh, she started a little bit too late. And but when she tried to have a seventh, it just huh. didn't pan out. Huh, Thank God. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) that's a lot.
0: That's a lot more. Um, I what you're saying about um, being someone outside of being a mom as healthy. And again, this is your this is being a mom is like there is no more important (laughs) job or role in the world. Like The nurturing and the love of moms create humanity. Uh, So or and it's just so, it's so important for our kids to see their parents having their own life and thriving in their own life. And you saw that with your mom. You saw your mom be a, you know, a important person helping others and having this career. And, um, she was also your mom and that did impact you. And so this is, we do get these pandemic aside, we are in a culture of parenting or a time of parenting where we're trying to all move away from full immersive parenting all the time at the expense of an adult's own health and happiness.
1: Right. Yeah. I think it's really important. And my mom had a robust social life as well. She was mm-hmm. out on the weekends and I got to meet all these cool babysitters that I loved. So, yeah, you know, I like that. Look at that. Yeah.
0: Multiple perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are not saying there is a right way to do this, people. We are just, there's multiple ways to do this. And yeah. it really is about trying to be aware and model for our kids intentionally the things that we want them to learn and we want them to see. hmm And Kara, so this brings me to um, you doing that with um, a a recent tweet that that Parent Footprint, we loved, where you, um, you, this was your tweet, on Saturday, I protested for reproductive rights in the morning and brought my kids to drag con in the afternoon, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like, what is this, what are you trying to do and show your kids, even at a young age, about life and how to show up?
1: Well, the final line of the tweet, so no one thinks that's what it was a joke, um, is uh, a real Ted Cruz special. You know, I just wanted Ted Cruz to know about the day I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, the reproductive rights uh, debate, unfortunately, is something that's very, very important to me. And I, I truly feel as though I grew in my pro choice the moment I had my own kids, like the moment I went through pregnancy and went through labor and breastfeeding and raising a kid, I was like, we cannot force people to do this. Like you cannot force people to do this. And so I, it's really important to me. So I actually would have taken my daughter cause I would love to be, um, I would love to involve her and stuff like that earlier. And I've taken her to BLM protests when she was easier I could take her in a carrier and like right. control her movements yeah I wasn't sure how big it would be I wasn't sure how safe it would be so this one I just went to on my own I think the next one I would take her if um, I brought some activities for her to do because it is a lot of standing around and chanting and that's not a three-year-old's favorite activity um, and then I you know I worked at drag race. I love drag. I knew my daughter would just love all the bright colors and the amazing artistry of drag. And so I just brought them and I I have also been to DragCon and I knew that it's family friendly and that it's like very mm-hmm. open. You can bring a stroller. It's 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 just very chill and um it was great and I loved it and I loved bringing my daughter to that and it was it was crazy because We got there and it's, it's loud. It's not, there's just a stage playing loud music and you get used to it. But my daughter was like, it's too loud. We first walked in and so many people, even though it's not crowded, it is just a lot of people and people are in bright costumes. And she was um, surprisingly to me a little intimidated at first. And she was sitting under in the basket underneath the stroller and just kind of like keeping to herself. And then I got her out at one point and she found this little rainbow fan on the floor that was promotional for the movie Fire Island, which is my friend's Joel Kim Booster's movie coming to Hulu June June 3rd. Please watch. Nice, nice. And um, I think that's the date. And she just started playing with this rainbow fan and I truly like watched her personality change. Suddenly she was like strutting up and down the aisles of this convention. She's talking to exhibitors. She's twirling around with these different drag queens. She was having the best time and I was like, wow, look at how this accessory just really opened up her <laughs> opened up her um, <laughs> point of view on this and just really like she just got became her her more outgoing self. And so I just think, yeah, I want to expose my kids to stuff like that that I think is cool. And, you know, the whole drag community is supposed to be, isn't always, but it's supposed to be about, you know, love and accept, radical mm-hmm. acceptance. And I love that for my kids. I will mm-hmm. say, like, I did not grow up with that. And I, it's something really important to me to uh, pass on.
0: Have you... Found yourself being or trying to be more intentional or and purposeful now that you're a parent than before living without these appendages
1: intentional and purposeful in what in what way? just in my life in turn yeah,
0: in your life in terms of like how you're trying to show up and what you're modeling.
1: Yeah, you know, a friend said something to me about another friend saying like, oh, she just wants to make her daughter proud. And I hadn't even really thought of that when my daughter was so little. And I was like... You know, I I actually got this drag race job. I did the interview d- I sent my resume in from my hospital bed, um, and then I did the interview two weeks postpartum, and I started the job five weeks postpartum. Which a lot of people would say oh, that's too soon, but I just thought to myself, you know, I want to make my daughter proud. I want her to know that I, you know, worked and I and I worked on things that I cared about and I loved. And so I guess you could say I I am um, being more intentional for sure. Especially, mm-hmm. I mean, I always marched for things. I've always been like politically active, but I would say it's like doubled since I had kids, right. just like yeah. knowing that my daughter could grow up in a world where she doesn't have choices about her own body or, you know, uh, you know, yeah. recent events have happened where like I, I worry about sending my kids to school. It's just like, you know, everything they, it just puts right. a whole new lens on everything for you.
0: In your career as a crime scene, and crime show crime scene investigator. <laughs> I'm always, has that having kids changed the way you look at crime in the shows? And I just have to add one more thing. Cause I just recently listened to yours, um, your show on, um, you know, the making of a rapist and having two young women daughters, you know, parents' worst fear. I look at all of this stuff differently than I did before I was a parent. So I'm just wondering what, this is newer to you.
1: No, I mean, I used to just eat this stuff up and be like, whatever. And like, I mean, not whatever, but like, I just would digest so much true crime, so much law and order SVU. I've seen every episode of the show and many episodes I've seen multiple times. And it just was always, it's, it's weird, but a lot of our listeners say the same thing that it was comforting. The show is comforting in a lot of ways. I think also cause it's a fantasy of the justice system that we'll never experience in real life. Like nine times out of 10, the bad guy gets caught. Someone pays for the crime. The police prosecute all the time, right. you know, like it, it's just different. Um, but I definitely have a harder time now. Like I have had to research some horrific crimes against children and I'll have to, put it away and do it, like work on it more than one day or something. And I have to like clear my head because it's just so like close to home now to think of my own child in that situation or yeah. Yeah. It's like, always crimes against children felt more horrific to me. Always. Of course. Like I, I have always wanted to be a mom. I've always had babysat and had kids around me. So I've always been very like, you know, into kids in a way that I don't want to sound creepy. I love kids. And so of course I hate to see any episode where a kid's being abused or or harmed, but yeah, like once I had my own kids, it it did become harder. Um, but I do think I bring like a perspective to the podcast about that a little bit. Cause I know we do have a lot of, we have a lot of young single listeners. We have a lot of married or, or Mm -hmm. single parents, you know, we just have parents and non-parents and you know, my co my co-host Lisa is proudly child-free. I love that for her. I, you know, so we just represent like two very Mm -hmm. different perspectives. And sometimes I think I can look at it like from a parent's perspective um, on the show when we are talking about the episodes of the show. But when we're talking about the true crimes, it definitely hits. Yeah. Yeah. Close to home when it's about kids.
0: How has being the co-host of That's Messed Up and, and learning about all the crimes and doing the research, are there things that that has taught you about life?
1: oh my gosh and so, innu- not innumerable i mean so many things so many things like i don't know i recently you know we without getting getting too like heavy or anything like we we covered an episode about a, a horrific pediatrician who just molested you know like too many children like dozens mm-hmm. and dozens of children it was horrible and i just um i remember people we were talking about like well who was leaving them alone with this with this pediatrician and stuff like that and it just brought up a lot of issues about consent and bodily consent with children and it's just something i hadn't really thought about like when i would be like you know trying to clean or bathe my daughter i would just like clean her genitalia and just be like okay here we go but now i i'm really trying to be more mindful of it and say mm-hmm. like you know explain more and say you know no one's allowed to touch you anywhere and and I, including me if you don't want me to, you know, like, mm-hmm. and your doctor has to ask if it's okay. And, you know, just giving them this autonomy over their bodies that I think when they're little babies, you know, I had a friend one time who, when I went, she, I said, oh, can I hold the baby? And she had like maybe a three month old baby. And she goes, let me just ask her. And she goes, can Kara pick you up to this baby with no language skills? And I was like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's something to it, like now that I'm in, now that I am a parent, realizing the kids are their own people and they're not just like these little dough balls that you're molding. Mm -hmm. And then once they're, I don't know, 15, they're a person, you know, like they're people now. And so like, I think giving them autonomy and giving them choice and stuff is, uh, I, I struggle and I work on it because I am very type A and I'm like. I really think you should wear these shoes today. And I you know, I really struggle to be like, Yeah, sure you can wear these shoes that absolutely don't match and are very dirty. You know, go oh, I ahead. That. Like I've it's really hard that. to like yeah, let yeah. go of some of your control. But yeah. just letting um I, I struggle with that every day. Like I had a very tough morning with my daughter this morning where she really wanted to make all her own choices. And I was like, Okay, if you could just make them faster, that would be great. <laughs> um So
0: yeah, that's a really it's a really important point you're talking about in terms of um, teaching kids about to have ownership of their body and their life because there there isn't an age, but it that all of a sudden it's okay now you're in charge of your body and your life and your decisions, but we do it. I think there's this unconscious yeah when kids are young like they just do this and you do this and go kiss your aunt and yeah you. You have to have a slobbery kiss on the lips, even if you don't like it.
1: Right? You know all of
0: these things that were unintentionally disempowering kids to make their own decisions and set limits and boundaries with what's comfortable for them. So I think it's great that you that you start this early on, and 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 there's a narrative about it, so our kids know what's okay, what's not okay, and what to do if they feel. Uh, There's something's not right.
1: Yeah, and it, it's like I stumbled upon this Instagram that I follow called Consent Parenting, and I follow it, and I and when I was first following it, like the woman makes these videos, and I was like, this is a little bit over the top, like paranoid that everyone's trying to harm our children, but then I realized that it is just kind of like a, an early conditioning of your kids to say like, this is your body. This, these are your choices. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. And you know, y- you have a lot of say in that what's right and wrong, you know? Right. Really so, important. really yeah. important. So I really, that grew on me too. Cause at first I was like, this feels like it's, it's fear mongering, but it's, it's really not, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's very, you can take what you want from it and leave what you don't, but you know,
0: There's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of different types of parenting. We have so many different names. You know, we got helicopter parenting, we've got snowplow parenting, we have permissive parenting, we have um, consent parenting. There, I mean, there's so many different models. And it is true that some seem to be more respectful than others. Um, There is no one right. We always talk about like, let's be intentional and purposeful. And if you want to, raise a responsible loving caring human who cares about you know others we have to think about what are the messages and behaviors and experiences we're exposing our kids to and this is that 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 crazy thing about parenting is often we're in the moment of just trying to like get by and live our lives but we really have to look at the long haul of like, what are we trying to produce? What are the things that are important to us in our family? Like, do we want someone who is a social activist? Do we want someone who is independent thinker? Like, all of these characteristics, they might come a little bit with DNA, but they also come a lot with the experiences and the parenting that they um, that they are exposed to.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um you ha-
0: I would say, and there's a new, you told us about a new type of parenting that was new to me that you're reading this article. So I'm I'm, I'm interested. Yes, that gentle parenting, right? Gentle parenting. Yes. Well, I,
1: I. I have didn't ever hear it called that until I read this article in the New Yorker that I sent you. That's, that's about very short, very short. It's yeah. yeah, Yeah. It's sort of about the backlash of gentle parenting. I would say gentle parenting. If you, if you follow Janet Lansbury and people like, um, there's a lot of people that are sort of in the general, the gentle parenting, um, sphere and, uh, it's got, absolute valid parts to it, but this article was making me realize that really there are no one size fits all options. Mm-hmm. Like there just mm-hmm. there is like a lot of these um, you know, people, I don't really know I don't really know if any of them are like Dr. Becky, who is like does the good inside, uh, that's her whole Um, brand is called good inside and she has all these scripts and ways you can talk to kids and and scripts are wonderful. And I was a summer camp counselor and we had tons of scripts on how to talk to homesick kids or kids dealing with emotional problems. But ultimately it doesn't always, the script doesn't always work, you know, and like, or, or something's hitting outside the purview of the script. So you gotta be able to sort of adapt. And I think, that this article was so interesting to me. So gentle parenting is essentially what you're talking about—respectful parenting, letting children like you know um, make decisions, treating them as adults, like not using um, not using things like "we don't hit" because that's condescending and that's not that's not how you would talk to an adult. And um, and I I do send my daughter to Montessori school where there is a lot mm-hmm. of like talk to your kids the way that you would talk to a person, and you know they don't do forced apologies or sharing because you can't just walk up to an adult on the street and take their phone out of their hand and say, my turn now, you know, like, so why are we (laughs) teaching kids that that's something that they can do? So I Mm -hmm. get that there's all these philosophies, but I think sometimes the gung ho junk gentle parenting um, lets the kid be a little bit too much in the driver's seat Mm -hmm. and um, it turns you into someone who. Um, I have a friend right now who's dealing with her, um, six year olds anxiety and Mm -hmm. she was even telling me, I think some of that might be a result of some of my like overvalidating of feelings instead of really analyzing, like, what is it that's making you upset instead of just saying, Oh yeah, that is scary. That is scary. Mm -hmm. You know, just agreeing and instead saying, okay, but like, what do you think is going to happen here? And what if something else happened? And what if this happened? Mm -hmm. You know, like there's just so many Different ways. I don't want to make anyone mad. I'm just saying like yeah. when I. No, there, the,
0: i with you. There's so many different, there's know? so many different ways. And I think a few things that strike me from what you said. First of all, the terms that of the the parenting styles just trigger people, right? So yeah. um, nurturing parent, the gentle parent, like those the, people just are split on those. I think they, some people like that's great. And other people are like, okay, that's too much. Right. Um, However, once we get below the name and try to look at some of the underpinnings and the concepts, something that comes up a lot, which you said, is treating kids like adults. Now, I think the challenge with that is treating kids with respect.
1: With respect, yeah.
0: It gets confused with treating kids like adults because these people aren't adults. They haven't had life experience. No, They don't exactly. have equal say in everything or even know what to do beside what their impulse or emotions tell them. But what we lose and what's so important is how do you treat this little human with respect rather than just make them do things that don't make sense to them? Um, you know, as we were talking about, not feel that they are in control of their body or their choices, no matter how small they are. And it's just to be really thoughtful about this idea of, um, we want them to respect themselves. We have to show them respect.
1: Yeah, and I've absolutely been working on that because I definitely grew up in a house where it was like, because I said so, just do mm-hmm. it. Just do it because right. I said so. And it yep. was infuriating to me growing up. And and now I find myself, if I'm telling my daughter to do something and she's saying why, and I can't explain why, I'm like, I guess you're right. You don't have to do it. Like, I, And I will mm-hmm. try to back down and say, yeah, I guess mommy just wanted you to, but it's okay if you don't want to, you know? But- then there's other things like when my daughter is saying in her clothes, ready to go to school and says, I want to put my PJs back on and I'm not going to school. Right. Well, why do I have to go to school? Well, you have to go to school. I don't really have an explanation. We just, we go to school. We need to right. be with our friends. We need to learn. Like, And you know that was just a meltdown that was happening. But so I, I, what I'm saying, I guess, is like, of course there's times where I'm like, we should be respectful. And then there's other times where it's like, yeah, but we have to do this. We just like this is just something we got to do, and I know it stinks, you know? And like mm-hmm, I'm trying mm-hmm. to do more of the also the like I know how you feel. um, yeah, it's annoying when your brother takes your toy. i I get it. We got to get him to stop doing that, you know, like, but right, right, you know,
0: well, and that what you're talking about is the validating. And I think that is so important because. We always think we have to like control a situation, often as parents, because we're in situations where we gotta get out the door or something needs to happen. The idea of validating someone is actually in a, it, it's it's a very, um, it, it can be called an intervention, it can be, um, it, it, I don't know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm at a loss for words here, it just works for someone to be heard. Like, I am mad because my brother did this, and to hear you say, I can understand that, why that makes you so angry. Yeah. You but know,
1: then, that, of course, there yeah. she's a three-year-old, so sometimes she's just mad for no reason. Or, yeah. like, you know, uh, she won't wear a shirt because it's, quote-unquote, too fancy. Like, I, you know, I don't even yeah. know what that – she doesn't even know what that means. I think it's uh, – it's it, yeah it's like a, take a little of each uh, take take from these all these different styles of parenting what you want and what you can um but yeah. like like one thing i really try to work on too is i say sorry to her all the time i apologize to her all the time cuz i mess up and i i say sorry and i had a parent who never apologized and it made me crazy mm-hmm. and so i think and to this day doesn't apologize and so like i really and, and I and I followed this other little parenting account the other day that is a gentle parenting account. I followed it just to see what mm-hmm. I would agree with and what I wouldn't. Yeah. And she had one video that was up where she just said, um, saying I love you is not a substitute for saying I'm sorry. So it's like you can sit there and console yeah. your kid and say I love you, I yeah. love you, but – to say I'm sorry, to say like I I didn't mean for this to happen. That was an a-, or I I spoke to you badly. Like that was I. Uh, mommy didn't mean to yell. Like you know that kind of stuff. I just think that that's gonna make a real world so of difference with my so kids. So important. So
0: important. And I love that quote. Say yeah. Like it, it, our kids do need to know we love them. Yeah. Uh, and they need to hear it. And that we're proud of them, who they are, not what they do, but who mm-hmm. they are. And it is so important to apologize because we make so many mistakes as a parent because that it is an imperfect job. It is a stressful job or role. And as your kids get older and more sophisticated, and um, life gets more complex with the choices and the pushing back, all that good old adolescent independence that is normal we make lots of mistakes. Like we lose our stuff and we may come down too hard or we don't come down enough. And it's like, it's so hard to get it right in the moment. It's so important to remember you don't have to get it right in the moment. It's literally the longer haul and having enough um, respect for your child. And I believe, I'd say respect for yourself to know you don't have to be perfect and just say you're sorry when you Mm -hmm. blow it. Yeah, Oh, yes. Okay. Parenting, parenting, parenting. Mm -hmm. So what, what is, what is, I'm going back to your show now before we get to the parent favorite moment question. What do you want people, what is your guy's goal for your podcast? What do you want people to get from it?
1: Oh my gosh, what do I want people to get from it? Um I mean, it started out as we just thought it was a fun idea and we just wanted to talk about our favorite show and talk about true crime and then um you know, it's actually the interview portion of it has turned out like to be very inspiring. Like when we talk to a lot of people, we're just getting we just get all these different stories about how people got into um their profession, but also, you know, the, a lot of people that we talk to are just going into a set for a week or even a few days just to shoot a part on a show we're not you know sometimes we talk to a cast member who's been on the show for years but most of the time it's someone that's like oh yeah I just came in to play a murderer or a victim or whatever for a week and so I love hearing how people sort of like um navigate getting thrown into an unfamiliar situation I like hearing about that I like hearing about um their outside interests and how that informs like what they do. And, you know, we spoke to this like actor named Jeff Kober, who does like a lot of meditation and photography and all this other stuff. And he was like, so inspiring to talk to. And I just, um, I think that the interview portion, like really can inspire people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with like the, you know, my co-host Lisa is very, very funny. She, she's, um, truly one of the funniest comedians working. And, you know, she sometimes can paint with broad strokes about like, you know, screw all cops. And I hate these people. And, you know, sometimes we get a little bit of pushback for that. And I just, you know, I, I think I try to bring in a little bit more nuance if I can, but I, I, sometimes I agree with her. We really want people to think about, um, you know, the justice system and, 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 you know, the way that, there's so much in the show about how women are treated and how Mm -hmm. women are expected to do certain things and how women who are part of a crime will get harsher sentences than the men will because they're a mom. And how could a mom do this? Mm. And you know, there's just, there's just so much to learn. I feel like from the the show and the podcast, also the juxtaposition of like what happened in real life, what happened Mm -hmm. on this, in this fairy tale. And, um, Yeah, like you asked what I learned. Like, I mean, you learned so many things about like, oh, you can't, don't step out of your door to talk to a policeman because that's when they can arrest you. If you're in your house, they can't come in if they don't have a warrant, you know? So, like, there's all these, mm-hmm. like, little law things that we learn, little crimey things that we learn, but, I mean, psychological disorders. There's a, a character on the show played by B.D. Wong who plays um, Dr. George Wong, a, um, you know, FBI forensic psychi- psychiatrist, I believe, is his role, and um, or psychologist, and, like, fascinating. You hear about all these personality disorders and mm-hmm. um, you're like, oh, I know someone who has histrionic personality disorder, or I know someone Mm -hmm. who's exhibited this before. And um, yeah, I just, I think the show is wildly educational. And then, I don't know, maybe you care about our wild opinions. I I don't know. Uh, Like people have, you know, we've been been talking a lot about the abortion issue and people seem Mm -hmm. to really be appreciating us using our platform for that. So Mm -hmm. I think we're happy to be as flippant and talk about the meal we had the night before to talk about our bodily autonomy and everything in between. That's kind of our, that's kind of, well, our it's
0: spectrum. clearly, it's clearly resonating and working because <laughs> you have quite a following and, um, a great community. Great, yeah. We love community. our listeners. They're the yeah. best. They're
1: so smart and, and cool. All
0: right, Kara, it's time for the parent footprint moment question. no, <laughs> I know you've been mentally preparing this entire conversation. Okay, here we go. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or even an awareness of your own parents, and that new awareness had a positive impact on your life, your kids, and or those you love.
1: Well, I would say that I started to have a major awareness when my daughter was around two and a half and my she's very verbal. I can speak to her like I can talk to anyone pretty much like she's, she can have a full conversation. She just, um, I had a realization that she is me. Like we are the exact same. Um, mm-hmm. she just is pushes the same boundaries I push, asks the same questions I would ask as a kid. Why do I have to do that? That wh- Like, why? Why does he get to do that? Why can't I? Um, and I just realized, like, how much I was looking into a little mirror of myself. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's made me more aware when I'm dealing with her that my job is not to be her wrangler. My job is not to be, like, her... Um, I don't know. Like, I am her protector in a way and just, like, shout a bunch of rules at you so you don't get hurt. Um, I just realized, oh, I got to talk to her, like, on my own level because Mm -hmm. she is me. Like, truly, I just see so much of myself in her. Um, And it makes me nervous for the future. I don't think I was like a, <laughs> I don't think I was a, like a tough teenager or anything. And I would really love to be the kind of parent where she can come to me to talk about anything. And it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, Oh, there's this mom boundary where I'll get in trouble or anything like that. I really, yeah. Um. I felt that in and out with my mom. Like there were some things I could and some things I couldn't. And I, I really would like to be um, as open and freeing as possible. But yeah, like, I, I mean, if I have to, Oh, God, you know, my short-term memory, my my memory is so gone with having kids. But I will say, like, I did have a moment leaving for this protest that I tweeted about that you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier where I was just, like, hugging her goodbye. And I said, Mom's going to go do something. And I just had this moment, this awareness of myself as a parent, like, oh, I have to go – do something so that she can have some freedoms in the Mm -hmm. future. And I just hadn't really ever, I really got like emotional about it for a second. I didn't like, I just welled up for a second when I was saying goodbye to her to go do this. Cause I was Mm -hmm. like, I know I'm not changing the legislation by going. I know I'm not, you know, it's it's I'm going and I'm holding up a poster and I'm chanting, Mm -hmm. but I just feel like showing up, for my own rights for her rights just for her future kind of like put things into perspective for me as a as a parent and that's just a recent one um and I wish I could I wish I could think of something more specific about when I realized that my daughter is my exact um person Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I've also found some old photos where we look exactly the same we have the same like mischievous glint in our eyes like she really (laughs) is
0: yeah so you you have a sense you have a sense of knowing what she needs as a little person with all of those questions and that perceptiveness and uh, I think you're dialed into
1: that. I just think I need to put myself into like a little Cara shoes sometimes yeah. instead of always being yeah. like Mom Kara yeah. because I think I'll get a lot farther with her because she is yeah. me, you yeah. know. I and mean, my son might be different. I think I can already tell he has a different mm-hmm. personality, but she really is has a lot of my traits
0: i want to do i want to do a little shout out to a previous show which relates to something you said dr kenneth ginsburg many of you know an amazing pediatrician um resiliency and teen expert and his latest book which we talked about on the show is called congratulations congrats you're having a teen and the reason i bring this up is he is about busting the teen myths and you said like And I, we, my wife and I said the same thing with our kids too, which was when they were young and they were fierce. It's like, oh gosh, if this is how they are now, I can't imagine how they're going to be. And so one of the myths is that adolescence is always tumultuous and always like, you know, bigger than what you have when they're younger. And it's, it's not true. It can be that way but it often is not that way. There's so many variables that go into that. So I just want you to know. No, I know it's weird. Like
1: I'll meet a teen now and I'll be like, so you just like love your mom and dad (laughs) and they're your best friends. And you like also are dying your hair green and you can do whatever you want and roller skate down the street. Okay. Like, like I'm very impressed by like the teens that I meet today. And I feel like hopefully that's a product of like, all of the movements of about parenting and communication and treating and respectful parenting, because I really do think that I grew up where it was like, you must respect me. I'm your parent. And I was like, why? I never really felt like I, it was earned. And then I never, I didn't always feel like I was getting that respect back. So I think that it's really super important. And hopefully that's, Hopefully, it's going to change our world, which is upside down at the moment. So I'm really yes. hoping this next generation yes. is going to pick it up and do something. Yes,
0: let's right size this. Let it is, and it takes all of us, and it takes these movements, and it takes these voices, and it takes our young generation of people who um, have ideas about how the world should be. And so, um, yes, let us hope for that. And <laughs> let us um, pray. <laughs> uh, yes, I. Um, And great, just a great conclusion to our conversation about respect, right? Just the respectful parenting and what respectful parenting can produce in our kids and beyond. Yeah. Kara, thank you for joining us on this one anniversary with Exactly Right Media. Happy anniversary.
1: Congratulations. Thank you so much. What a milestone. So exciting.
0: So happy to be a part of the Exactly Right community. Yeah. Which we are both a part of. Amazing people um passionate people doing what they care about and speaking of that tell people where they can find you i know you were t- you're touring you're going to be touring yeah. and you got you got stuff going on
1: yeah so this episode comes out june um 16th so if you live in The Minneapolis area, we that's messed up is performing live at the Minneapolis comedy festival on June 19th. And then we will be in Chicago at Zany's downtown on the 20th and the 21st. And our live podcast is so fun. You don't even have to really be a fan of SVU. Um, We recap an episode and just make a lot of jokes. We have powerpoints. We play games. It's just fun. I mean, if if you've seen like five episodes of SVU, two you can you can follow along, and uh, yeah, we we uh, we have a great time at our live shows. And a lot of people bring like their partners or people that have never seen it, and they always say that they have a great time too. So join us there. And otherwise, I'm Kara Clank on all social media. Um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, rarely, and. yeah, if you can follow that's messed up podcast too.
0: Do it, people. Join <laughs> their huge community. And um, so awesome you guys are touring again. This is showing where we are getting with this global pandemic. Shows are back on and yeah, we're getting we out there so. with people.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to us today. We always appreciate you tuning in, sharing this show with those you think will benefit getting people involved in our community and, of course, giving us those wonderful five-star reviews. Do your best to be the person you want your child to become and ask yourself the guiding question I ask myself each day, what footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummer Man, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.